Hello, friends. Welcome to the 14th episode of the Schoolyard Podcast, brought to you by School Specialty. I'm your host, Nancy Chung, a fun loving teacher and content creator, also known as Fancy Nancy and Fifth on social media, and I'm thrilled that you're here. A special shout out to School Specialty, who offers essential educational supplies and complete learning environment solutions to help you transform more than classrooms. School Specialty is excited to introduce Schoolyard Connect, a new site where educators can go to find helpful resources, including blogs, webinars, case studies, sample lesson plans, and more. Go to the site that's made for educators like you schoolspecialty.com forward slash schoolyard hyphen connect. This is the Schoolyard Podcast, a podcast by educators for educators where the magic of learning unfolds. Teaching with real life events isn't just a game changer for students, it's a dynamic shift for teachers too. By integrating the happenings of the world into the curriculum, we open doors to unparalleled engagement, relevance, and critical thinking. Students benefit from a richer understanding of the subjects, fostering curiosity and a deeper connection to their learning journey. In today's episode, we'll be sharing practical tips and tricks on learning from real-life events such as the upcoming solar eclipse. It's time to turn the everyday into extraordinary learning opportunities. On this episode, we're talking about encouraging and facilitating hands-on learning for students by leveraging real-life events. We'll be talking to Dr. Erica Colon of Nitty Gritty Science. I met Erica a few years ago when I was invited to be a presenter for the Champions for Science virtual conference that Erica started. And it was such a fun experience collaborating with other teachers in all levels, elementary all the way through high school, to develop hands-on lessons and activities for students and teachers all across the country. I already know this is going to be a really fun episode. Welcome to the schoolyard, Erica. It's such an honor to have you here. Thank you for having me. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your efforts on the nitty gritty science on Instagram and TikTok? Absolutely. So I have um, been in the education, specifically science education realm since 2000, really is when I kind of started, got out of college. And so um, I was in the classroom until 2020 or 2012, I would say, teaching secondary science and I taught all the disciplines. And then I started Nitty Gritty Science in 2012 um, when that started becoming a big movement where teachers were kind of sharing their own curriculum with other teachers as resources. And since then, um, I've kind of dove into a lot of different paths with nitty gritty science. It's kind of opened a lot of doors for me where not only do I make resources now, but I try to work with um, companies as like a science consultant. So if they want lesson plans to go with books, or if I help um, with science products, or I've been offered opportunities to author science books for kids and I work with teachers through conferences and host conferences, as, as you know. And, and so it's just um, given me a lot of opportunities by 
you know, uh, being a CEO of this company to kind of work with educators in ways that I had, would never have thought possible. So I've been pretty much doing that for the last 24 years, which I cannot wow. believe. 24 years. Education. Wow. And I met you like maybe three or four years ago, maybe five years ago when um, yeah. I, you invited me to participate in the Champions for Science conference. Yep. Yes. So that all happened in 2020 when okay. teachers were reaching out to me saying, hey, what do you have when you know COVID hit and they were all doing it? And I said, I have no clue, guys. I cannot help you. I've never been in this realm before. I've never done this. And so that's where kind of Champions for Science took place. Because I said, let's just get a whole bunch of teachers who are in the classroom. Because by that time, I have already been out of the classroom. And so I don't, I try very hard. I don't pretend that I'm in the classroom. I let people know I'm out. Uh, but I really try to stay up to date with science education. And I do that by working with teachers. And so I had, I just got a group of teachers come together and say, like, let's just share our ideas and say, what are you doing in the classroom? How can you help? And a big part when I had you on board was um, I saw this big shift when everybody was going to uh, the computers and online where we were losing this generation of kids that it was just going to be all online and kids come to science specifically thinking they're going to be doing experiments mm -hmm. and hands-on learning. And because we did this whole online platform, we were going to lose just this generation of scientists. And so that's when I, you know, came forward and said, Nancy, what do you got? Hands-on learning. What are you doing uh, in the for, classroom? For elementary. Yeah, those were so fun. I, I was fortunate enough to watch the other presenters too, like their demonstrations. Yeah. And those were so fun. And I love your TikToks. I love your Instagram. <laughs> all that, of those are that's so all fun. came. Yes, all the, that all kind of came. The Instagram it shares a lot of resources on there. So a lot of the Instagram, we share a lot of free resources because the yeah. internet is full of them and teachers just don't have time to search we right. just find apps and resources and online things that teachers can download. And then the TikTok was just doing demos and um, showing teachers like it's this easy to mm -hmm. just show these kids these demos and get them wondering. And it was and a lot of it was because I was watching a lot of videos on TikTok and I, they mm -hmm. would show something. And I'd say, but how did that happen? Why? And so yeah. they just weren't explaining, like, how mm -hmm. did that happen? And so right. I thought, well. I'm going to do the science demos, but I'm going to try to explain mm -hmm. what is happening in here and the science behind it. Because people are so curious, even mm -hmm. like, I mean, I have 50, 60 year olds on there being like, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. <laughs> and I just love that you're just like opening up all these eyes to science. So yeah. it's it's a lot of fun. But you get a lot of comments like, oh, I wish my science teacher did this or I wish yeah. I, knew <laughs> I was little, right all the time. <laughs> Yeah. I do. I do. And it's funny because I bet you their science teachers did, you know, mm -hmm. we don't give our teachers a lot of credit sometimes. And I, I think they did. They just didn't do it in the space of 60 seconds. So it just right. seems a lot more faster and flashier because I'm, mm -hmm. at, you know, I'm doing the video. It's just really easy for me to do demos like on TikTok now, because I think, you know, in the past you had to have a science lab where now I can just go online and I can just get any materials that I want. And if I say I need a Bunsen burner or if I need glass tubing, I can just get it and then it will be at my house and I can just go ahead and put a TikTok together. Yeah. yeah. Well, going right into the topic for today, 
What yes. do you see as the benefits of using real life events as teaching moments? I'm thinking of all the natural disasters happening right now. Like we just had like mini tsunamis in, in Southern California or Orange yes. County beaches were crazy. Earthquakes happening in Japan, um, mm -hmm. like all the all the, the natural disasters and the phenomenons and all the the, you know, the real life events. I could see how you can tie real life science, especially yep. to this. So what do you think? You know, it opens up for a lot of discussions for kids because even my own kids, like if they if they see something on the news or something like there was this tsunami in Japan, they're like, "Mom, what if this tsunami hits us right now? What if we live next to the water?" And I'm thinking, "No, we live hours from the water," and so you have to kind of explain to kids, and it opens up for discussion because they don't understand you know, uh, kind of geology and how things are and where fault lines are and how big tsunamis get. Because when we, when a kid thinks of tsunami, they're thinking of Hollywood picture tsunami and, or there's some like major disasters of tsunami. So it's always a good spot to have this discussion with kids when you're talking about these real world events and stuff. And mm -hmm. it's also brings up to show them what gets kind of blown up because of it in social media, in the news and stuff like that. Because um, I do a lot of talking with my kids to try to ha help them discern what is kind of fake news, what mm -hmm. is just like this fear mongering, and then what is actually happening with our earth and is science mm -hmm. and like you're saying with natural disasters. And that's just one small part of like right. real life events. Um, you know, when you find out like, um, another real life event that's, you know, more positive is talking to my kids. Like, I think you guys had one out in California, we had here in Texas, but the big super bloom that happened yes. in the spring. Uh -huh. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, um, this is my, we've only been in Texas for a year and we lived here. And when I started driving around in the spring, it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. Mm -hmm. And I live on the East coast. We have a lot of trees. We have a lot of green, we have maples and fall changing colors, but I had never seen mm -hmm. just, just thousands and thousands of acres of wildflowers. I've never seen that before in my life. And I just, my jaw dropped and I was mm -hmm. like, this is amazing. Mm -hmm. And people around here were like, this isn't normal, Erica, this is a super bloom. And so then I started finding out. So even myself had to learn about this super bloom and what is causing it. And I'm hoping it's kind of a wet winter again maybe we'll get another little tiny super bloom but it's it's these events that are happening every day that you can just bring into the classroom and teachers can use a lot of times people think um they have to go far and wide to find this these real events that are happening and a lot of times it's just happening right outside your door with like you're saying weather events natural disasters um super blooms and in a lot of it is in nature which I think, you know, we'll discuss more when I when we go through some questions, but this is kind of like where I'm kind of shifting my focus on because I think we're not out there anymore in that. I think that's where you're going to find a lot of real world events that kids will really connect to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, can you tell us about a time when bringing a real life event into your teaching made uh, a lesson unforgettable for your students? Like what happened and how did it transform their engagement and understanding? One of the funniest ones that comes to mind, and this is almost my own naivety. You know, my coworker Carla Brooks and I, we um, 
were working in Hawaii and we brought some biology kids on a field trip. We were going to do a Costa Rica field trip with them. And so we we're coming from Hawaii. They've never left Hawaii before. And, and so we're just thinking about this amazing experience we're going to do in Costa Rica and we're going to see the volcanoes and the rainforest. And so, but to get to Costa Rica, we actually had to fly into Dallas and we had to stay in Dallas. We had a long layover. So we got to get on a bus in Dallas and do a couple of things and take them to the mall and fun things like that. But when we got on the bus and started driving around, their cameras just flashing. And I'm thinking, what are they seeing out this bus? Like, what are they looking at? And so here I'm thinking, I'm going to show them the world. Like, look at me, super teacher. I'm going to take them to the volcano. Mm-hmm. And they were never stopped talking. They had never seen a squirrel before. They oh saw squirrels oh. on the side of the road. Uh-huh. And they were they were just oh. in love. And they were just like, what is that? A squirrel. A squirrel. <laughs> and so it really oh. just kind of things like that. And and you know, I was in my 20s then. And so I've grown a lot over the time. And even in my 20s, I'm thinking, oh, I'm super teacher. I got this, you know. <laughs> and you just don't even realize, like, oh my gosh, like you look back at things that you think when you're teaching and you're just like, I did not have that. Like so many missed opportunities. And that's just one of those ones where it just kind of hit me in life where I was like, okay, there are so many things that other kids don't get to see and experience. Mm -hmm. And just something as simple as seeing a squirrel. I think it's it's not so much as something that I shared with kids that really kind of made a difference. It's these experiences that I learned where I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you did not you've never even heard of that word. You've never even seen a squirrel. Then I could just totally switch it and be like, let's learn about squirrels, guys. Mm -hmm. Let's do this, you know? And so it turns into these big lessons that they're just, and it's a memory they're going to have forever. And then, you know, there's ones in the classrooms that I do work really hard on. Like we made like four foot um, hot air balloons and they're big ones and they're just thinking these are never going to take off and they just don't trust the process about mm-hmm. hot air rising and they're they you know they're just like no miss they're not this isn't gonna do it and then they you see them they're kids so they don't want to be disappointed mm-hmm. so they don't get their hopes up that this four foot hot air balloon that they built uh-huh. is gonna flow so they're like it's not gonna work and then when you sit back as a grown-up and watch when their air hot air balloon is floating uh-huh. through the air, going, uh-huh. and you can see them, they go back to these super young, curious kids. Oh, yeah. uh-huh. And you're just like, oh my gosh, there it is. That's what you do it for. And you don't, don't let on that, you know, you know, just be, you got to rag them and be like, I told you, blah, blah, blah. But you just see it in their faces and it's just precious, you know, and they, they, they're just vulnerable for a little bit. They go back to just being curious and loving just that they built something and it did that. So there's a lot of those kind of moments that you just don't let on that you see them. They're just, they just love learning. Like kids mm-hmm. love learning. Love they just that. don't want to real life events and those real life moments and t- mm-hmm. turning that into teach- teachable moments. Yes. Like what a good teacher does. Exactly. Oh. For teachers who are wary of hands-on learning, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's too much to plan or it's too messy or you know whatever reasons they may be, what's a simple but effective way to dip their toes into integrating real-life events? Any small steps or tricks to get started? Yeah, I do think. So I think 
you kind of hit the nail on the head with that one because that's exactly what people do. If you go look online and you watch news broadcasts and stuff and they have a scientist on board, they're just like, watch who can make the bigger explosion or the louder or the messier. And so as teachers who start doing that, they think, well, I guess that's what we need to do to capture these kids' attention. We need to get louder, messier, bigger, <laughs> yeah. hotter. Yeah. And, uh -huh. and it's just like, no, that's so much work. And you'll yeah. also notice one of my pet peeves, Nancy, nobody ever explains it. They just yeah. like, it'll blow up on Jimmy Kimmel. And then they all just like, yay. And then that's it. And then nobody explains and you're it. Sitting like, there going, but why? But why did this happen? <laughs> It's like they never explain the science and it drives me insane. Mm -hmm. And if you look like what, like one of my most viral TikToks is just me hammering a knife through a raw potato. Oh, and it's just, it, it's just that, and we're just using inertia. We're just using Newton's law, but it's just one of those things where you just think, you know, what's going to happen. And then it doesn't happen the way your brain thinks it's going to happen. And that are those events that teachers can use. Like just use those little grab moments. Um, like one I do another one, I, you know, I dip the dandelion upside down in the water and it comes out dry. Mm -hmm. It's just water and a dandelion. You, I mean, you are, it costs nothing. You can go pick tons of dandelions, bring them in with your kids and dip it and then have them see what's going on and then have them just take those little tiny parachute seeds off your dandelion and kind of look at it under a little microscope and just kind of see the structure of it. And that's like a whole week lesson. Like dandelions are like one of the most amazing scientific structures in the world, just because mm -hmm. even scientists look at them, how to make different flying objects just from that shape of their little seed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where teachers um, want to go big instead of just start small, like just get the kids wondering about things. And mm -hmm. the other thing, you got to understand that teachers have to make themselves a little bit vulnerable. And I think the t the kids will respect them for that. Like sometimes if you do a demo, it's not going to work, you know, it's just going to fail and you That's just right. have to laugh. Yeah, mm -hmm. It's life. Everything, you know, messes up. Mm -hmm. And so I think they just have to say it's going to work or it's not going to work, have a backup plan. And if it doesn't work, talk about why it didn't work and let mm -hmm. the kids know, like, it's okay to fail. And mm -hmm. so I think I run into that talking with a lot of teachers, they get nervous thinking that if they mess up in front of the kids, they think the kids will think they don't know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And that is not the case at all. Kids will see like, oh, it didn't work. But it just really humanizes you to the kids and just being like, wow, it didn't work. And that's okay. And, sh and, and they want to see how you react to something not working mm -hmm. right. and how you deal with something because mm -hmm. they look up to you as an adult. Mm -hmm. And so if they can see you were okay, that something didn't work right the first time it was wrong. It messed up. It made a mess. It didn't work. And they see that you actually moved on and you didn't like drop down into this full on panic attack. And, you know, it's just like, just, you know, show them it's okay. And so I think a lot of the, those factors factor in. So, and see, I told you I'd be talking a lot, but uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's like, um, yeah, it, it's, um, it's going back to just start small. You just have to get the kids saying, what do you think is happening here? And just showing them something just starts a conversation. And I think 
most teachers would be just so simply surprised mm -hmm. that it just makes the conversation more and more easier with the kids every time you do more and more. And it triggers their critical thinking too. Absolutely. Right. And in communicating. So all of those like communicating and uh, collaborating, right? All the yes. first century thinking. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now and then you don't spoon feed them the answer. Like they have to right. figure out the answer and that's okay if yes. you don't know the answer right now. And as a teacher, you have the power, make them mad, be like, well, going to tell you the answer just yet right, right. let's try to work through things and let's see if you'll come up with the answer and that's mm -hmm. kind of the whole point of doing like what you know education is doing now with science with storylines like start a story but mm -hmm. don't give them the answer don't give them the ending yet we're going to work through this whole storyline mm -hmm. which is really just <clears throat> a fancy word for just taking them through a science lesson and right. showing them a demo just at the facilitating the learning Okay, but yeah. as soon as we're done recording our podcast, I'm going to scroll through your TikTok and find that potato. I want to know what happens when you chisel, oh, a, chisel a knife. It's right at the top. Potato. It's my most vile run, so it's pinned. Okay. It's right there at the top for you, Nancy. Of course. So what happens and then why is it happening? I'm definitely yeah. going to be checking that out. Okay, <laughs> so um, as you know, and I know, technology is everywhere. How do yeah. we use it to turbocharge the link between the real-life events and classroom learning? And do you have any favorite tools or platforms that really amplifies the impact for students? You know, um, there's a lot out there. Uh, there are so many, again, if somebody wants to go look at my Instagram, we share so many resources and it's just like uh, manipulating materials on there that are all CGI'd and you can move things and do like the online labs and you can do those mm -hmm. or you can add data points. But I'll tell you one of my most favorite things that I really think all grade levels should be using is apps that deal with citizen science. And the citizen science apps are ones that you and your students are actually collecting real world data for mm -hmm. your, for a scientist. Like the scientist needs your help collecting data. So for example, you can go very uh, complex in the citizen science or you could go very simple. So like, for example, you take your kids out as an elementary and you guys go pick pumpkins in a pumpkin patch. Well, mm -hmm. one of the citizen science projects is, hey, before you go pick your pumpkins, go out and take pictures of any single bug or pest on the pumpkins. And these scientists are trying to see what kind of um, insects and what kind of pests are being drawn to pumpkins. Mm -hmm. And so you just have your kids go collect this data and you just upload it to the app. You have to sign up as a class. It's all free. And then you just pick your project. And then they just go ahead and say, we're going to help out with this pumpkin pest project. You guys upload your pictures and you have just sent all this data to a scientist from your region about mm -hmm. pests. Mm -hmm. And then you're actually doing real world science, collecting real world data. And I think this is one of the most powerful um, tools which kids can do as a scientist where you are actually currently helping scientists. And so that's one of my absolute favorite things that I think. That is in science. Okay. And for the listeners, once again, uh, Erica's Instagram handle is nitty gritty science. <laughs> yes, correct. Okay. Yep. At both Instagram and TikTok. TikTok. That's right. Okay, so um, the solar eclipse is going to happen yes. in April. Yep. Do you have any advice on how teachers can use this awesome real life event to teach? Absolutely. There are so many ways out there and I'm going to tell teachers to talk to their admin now. Mm -hmm. 
There are so many school discounts out there to get glasses for the kids. You can get just bundles for the school on cents. So talk to like your PTO, talk to your school board, because I need, I need grownups, especially admin to kind of go back into their childhood days. And remember what, like when we were growing up, Haley's Comet was huge. Like I remember everybody talked about Haley's Comet. We've seen mm-hmm. Haley's Comet stuff. And this is one of those things that's going to come around once while these kids are in school and we're not going to see it again, a total solar eclipse in the U.S. until like 2045. Wow. And so like if their kids in middle school, they're mm-hmm. going to be like they're 13 now, they're going to be 34. So mm-hmm. they're going to actually have kids in school now. Mm-hmm. And you want them to remember like, hey, when I was in school, there was a solar eclipse yeah. and we had glasses and we did this and we did this. And you want them to get their kids excited about this because these are these natural events mm-hmm. that only come along rarely. Mm-hmm. And even though if you might not be in the path of totality, you'll still see parts of the solar eclipse. And um, we actually had one here in Texas. We had kind of a partial one a couple months ago during my daughter's volleyball season. And so I just grabbed a big handful of glasses and we had a volleyball tournament and we went out and watched it and there's just people going by and we're sharing glasses and just wow. adults and mm-hmm. kids and grandmas and grandpas. Everybody loved seeing this because it's wow. just something you never see. Mm-hmm. And so I really think schools need to embrace it as a huge science lesson. Mm-hmm. And again, not there's going to be fear mongering with this event. Mm-hmm. It's going to be like, don't take your kids out. It's dangerous for their eyes. People mm-hmm. say, don't take your pets up. They'll look at the sun and and be like, what? Your pet goes out every day. They don't go stare mm-hmm. at the sun. Like mm-hmm. they're just, there's just very, uh, a lot of misinformation with the event. Mm-hmm. Get the solar glasses for the kids. Mm-hmm. Have, there's so much free stuff on NASA where there's events for all grade levels that mm-hmm. the kids can learn about this, do projects for it. And it's just one of those events that, the schools have to get on board and get those kids mm-hmm. out there to watch this. It is just such an amazing event to that's happening out in space. Uh-huh. It, it's just, I, I just cannot stress enough. It's going to be one of those events. Like I, I think that movie has coined that phrase, but it's a core memory. It will be a core memory for these mm-hmm. kids if they go out there and see it. Absolutely. And we have, plenty of time before April to write those grants, write those donors choose, you know, projects. Um, Absolutely. How popular would I be if I was able to get a pair of glasses for every student at our school? (laughs) The most popular, Nancy. (laughs) And and if you get them in like book, you can get them like cents for cents uh, if you can find the right person. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just, I mean, if you can do it and that you can just do so many different things leading up to it, you know, the projects and stuff, it's pretty amazing. And just to see all the kids out there with their glasses, looking up at the sun, it's, it's a fun, fun event. Right. Well, thank you so much. Um, I'm going to be looking forward to content about the solar eclipse on your social media too. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Lots of pressure, Nancy. Lots of pressure. pressure. Okay. So we have a segment on our, on our podcast called tag your it, where uh, the listeners write in with questions and, and our guests and I answer them. So our, our question for today comes from Jill M. And the question is, do you have a favorite science experiment? Maybe an experiment a teacher can do that'll make 
make students fall in love with the, the magic of science. Oh my goodness, my favorite science experiment. So many to choose from. <laughs> I will say one of my newest ones, and this is just because I'm learning more about it. So I am 40, I'm not, I'm just going to say 40, but you know, <laughs> so, and I keep learning more and more things. And so, um, I'm, I don't tell me if I'm going to talk too long. So we go out there, we see things on the, the outside. We talk about the Perseids, the, the Orionids, all these meteor showers happening all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. And so everybody says, look up, look up. And so that's fantastic. But learning more about it. So when we are going through like these meteor showers and we're seeing falling stars, right, at this whole time, this is when the earth is just like flying through um, comet, like old comet dust. A comet's already been around and we're now going through all the dust left behind of this comet, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's hitting the atmosphere. And while these big rocks from this cosmic dust are breaking up in the atmosphere, they're breaking up into a whole bunch of these micrometeorites that are just raining down on earth as dust. Okay. So I haven't got to the science part yet, but it's coming. <laughs> so everybody says, look up. So what I have been doing lately is taking a magnet, like a pretty strong magnet and putting it in a Ziploc bag. And you go to like your gutters, right? Because all this dust lands on your roof and everything. And then you go to your gutters and when it rains, it all streams down and it comes off your roof, all this dust. And you run this magnet through your bag, uh, with inside your bag, all through this dust left at the bottom of the gutters. And um, you can pull it out and you'll see there's a whole bunch of stuff that magnetizes to it. Now it's gonna be some stuff that's from your roof and stuff, but some mm -hmm. of the particles that magnetize to this are actually micrometeorites. And so this is actually dust from space wow. that has come down. And I'm starting to do like a video on this because this to me is just lately one of those things where I'm just like, this is blowing my mind. So I'll sit there just at my microscope with another, and my husband like, you got more dust? I was like, I got more dust. <laughs> and, and I've gotten really good at finding it. So it took me a little bit because I just have a stereo microscope. You don't get one of the fancy ones, just a nice stereo microscope, like like one of these, you know, where you have a lot of space. So you don't have to have, you can even use a magnifying glass or something, mm -hmm. but you see the micrometeorites. They're these perfect spherical balls that are hidden among all these jagged little tiny rocks and stuff. Okay. And you're just seeing something from a comet that mm -hmm. is now in front of you. And it was, it's you know, millions of years old that have been flying around in space. And that's one of my most fun ones. And even if you don't find a micrometeorite the first time, just mm -hmm. watch kids look at just even the rocks they collected under the microscope mm -hmm. and just see all the little things. They'll find like dead wings in there from oh, gosh, dead <laughs> bugs and sticks mm -hmm. and seeds and stuff. And mm -hmm. so that's kind of one of my new favorite things is hunting for micrometeorites. That is super fun. So that I would say right now, that's one of my favorites, but I have so many favorites. Just <laughs> I bet, Yeah. Okay. So as you're talking, I just came up with another question. Yeah. If go. You could have, if you could pick one life event that yes. you could witness, like something that has happened in the past or something that was maybe far away or a long time ago, what would be something that you would have loved to witness? And dinosaurs, Nancy. Oh, <laughs> gotta be dinosaurs. Oh. 
there is this one bird dinosaur bird that is like taller than a giraffe i see it in books all the time it's one of can you remember the name of it i think it's called like quetzalcoatl or something i can't even like spell or pronounce but to me having this bird that's taller than a giraffe just walking around on earth mm-hmm. just blows my mind and i'm i just think that would be one of those events that I just have to see for myself. I got to see if the scientists are getting it right with the colors, the sounds, mm-hmm. the feathers, you know, right, and I know right. more and more data comes, but that'd probably be one of the ones dinosaurs. I'd have oh. to see it. Okay. So it's, it's so fun to see you um, quote unquote nerding out. <laughs> science. Yeah. Like, you just become alive. Like you're just radiating with, and then like, I love how you said you were talking about the, the microscopes and you're like, Oh, right here. And you just like pull one off. Of oh, your yeah. Like uh, I'm looking around. I'm like, I don't have a microscope. You don't right. have a microscope just sitting there. Oh yeah. We have one. I have one at my own house. Even my kids in their stockings, they have they got little pocket microscopes. They go everywhere with us. I love that. I love that. Well, Erica, it's been such a pleasure to have you here. And just Same, just Nancy. Again. Thank you for being such an amazing guest on the Schoolyard Podcast. Um, I've been following you for years and seeing just the magic of science. I keep on calling it magic, but it's not really science because, you know, there's a reason for everything. So mm-hmm. excuse me if you I'm saying the magic. Word, like, oh, she said magic, but just the magical science that you share with the world. Um, I really appreciate you. And I just thank you for being here. I appreciate you having me, Nancy. It's been so lovely connecting with you and um, congratulations on this podcast. You're doing amazing things oh, as always. Thank you. Thank You're doing you. Great. Well, yes. <laughs> Same to you. Thank you so much. Bye. Before we go, I have one more thing to share. Erica mentioned Citizen Science Month that's coming up in April. During Citizen Science Month, people from all around the world are working together to help researchers gather and analyze data. It's a great way to bring real-world science projects to life for students, friends, family, your school, or even your after-school organizations. For example, participate in the Eclipse Soundscapes Observer Project. It's a solar eclipse day activity free and no equipment needed. Join thousands of people doing hundreds of projects to log 1 million acts of science. Check out scistarter.org forward slash education to get involved. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Schoolyard Podcast. Remember to pack your curiosity and meet us back in the schoolyard for our next episode. Tag, you're it. Now it's your turn to write in with a question, which we will answer here on the Schoolyard Podcast for our segment called Tag, You're It. Tag us on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, or Twitter at School Specialty and hashtag Schoolyard Tag, You're It with a question that you want answered. One question will be selected per episode to be answered by our featured guest and myself. If your question is chosen to be answered on the podcast, we'll send you a very special Schoolyard Podcast t-shirt. Class dismissed.